Hello and welcome to our midweek podcast from Avila Presbyterian. This is a, a podcast recording of our midweek held in our church building uh, for Tuesday the 21st of December 2021. Hope you're all keeping safe and well. My name's Robert, the Minister of Mavilla. Uh, as we come together this evening, let me just remind you uh, that our uh, Christmas morning service uh, in Mavilla will start at 10.30 on Christmas morning and then we also have our Boxing Day service starting at 11 o'clock. Well, we come together uh, to worship God, to know of his promises through all uh, this, uh, this time. And as we do that, let me read these words from Jeremiah 29. Familiar words from Jeremiah 29 verse 11. God's word to his people when they are in a time of trouble. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. We read these words as a, a family in our family devotional uh, earlier today. As we build up to this Advent time, we recognise a God who has a plan in place. A, a God who will direct and guide us through all things. A little book uh, that I read last year in the build up to Christmas by a man named Matt Chandler says these words. I don't know what kind of year you've had or what kind of Christmas you're expecting. Perhaps it's been truly a joy to the world kind of year. Perhaps your Christmas will be great. Remember that for those who have welcomed Jesus into their life as king and asked him to invite them into his eternity, that's all just a shadow of what's coming when he returns. Praise God, enjoy Christmas and look beyond it. We come uh, to worship our God in this time. Let's do that as we come to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who speaks so powerfully through your word, that we may know of your rich promises and all that we may do. Lord, that we may seek you and find you in Jesus' name. Lord, we recognise uh, in the build-up to this time of year, the busyness that happens, the many things and pressures that are put in people. But Lord, we ask that we may know of your rich promises and all that we may do. Lord, that we may seek you and that we may look to honour you with our lives. For Lord, we recognise as we look to Jesus, the great promises that we have in this world, the joy it is, Lord, to know of him. Lord, we recognise so often, Lord, uh, that our lives cannot be fulfilled with anything in this world. But you are the creator the one who made this world and the one who knows what is good for us. Lord, we come before you this time. Lord, recognising that you uh, have what is good for us. Take away those things in our lives that are not of you and help us seek and follow you in all that we may do. We ask these things in Jesus' loving name. Amen. In a moment or two, our assistant Wallace is going to come uh, to bring God's word to us. 
uh, and bring a message entitled Prophecy Fulfilled. Before we do that, we're going to listen uh, to an Advent praise uh, entitled All Creatures of Our God and King.
Good evening, everyone. A couple of days to go, and then we're at Christmas. So tonight we're going to look at another prophecy fulfilled, or more than one prophecy fulfilled. So we're going to look uh, at Matthew. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look from verses 17 to the end. Matthew chapter 2, verses 17 to the end. This follows on after the visit of the, the Magi to Jesus. Okay, Matthew chapter 2, verse 17. It's God's Word. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, Weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Here ends the reading of God's Word. Now, let's turn to God in prayer before we look to see what that means to us. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your Word, and we thank you for this continuing message over Christmas and this continuing story, Lord, that we hear of your birth and the circumstances around it. Lord, we pray that you be with us tonight. We pray that this message, even though it may seem hard and, uh, and difficult, Lord, tonight, that you speak to us, you challenge us, and you encourage us through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's only a few days to go before Christmas, and we've just been after celebrating the joy of the Nativity and our choral service, so the joy of Jesus' birth. But when I read that, those verses tonight, maybe you think, well, they're here to just suck all that joy out of you. Because when you read that first, it comes across really as a message of fear and hopelessness, doesn't it? Where evil and grief and despair seem to have the upper hand and they're influencing all that's happening. Perhaps that's how you're feeling this evening, that the hope and the expectation of Christmas maybe just isn't burning as bright as you'd hoped, or maybe just as bright as what it seemed before. 
I know as we obviously look at the news and we know and see what's going on in the world, things are more difficult. Things aren't like what they used to be. Meeting up with their families is now more restricted. Maybe like last year, maybe you didn't get meeting up with your families. Who knows what will happen this year? Maybe it is like that, that grief and despair, and for many people, grief and despair does look like it has the upper hand on their lives. As we look around the world, maybe we say the darkness of evil is overshadowing the light of Christmas. Where is this victory that we have hoped for? We see Mary and Joseph here, but they had the problem getting back to their family was hampered after the visit of the wise men because they were exposed to this threat from Herod. They were warned by God to flee to Egypt. For Herod had made this decree that for his soldiers to go into Bethlehem and to try and defeat this challenge to his kingdom, kill all the children that are two years and under. For many families that looked like darkness had won and there was no hope. But although here we see joy replaced with lament, guess what? Hope is not lost. For another prophecy is fulfilled, a prophecy that points to a renewed hope, a hope that overcomes our pain and points to a bright future, a hope that overcomes the darkness in this world. Those verses there, or verse 18, quotes from Jeremiah 31, verse 15. And they're relating to what's happening now, these words that Jeremiah had spoke. Now, Matthew only quotes a few verses from Jeremiah, but he would have expected his readers in those times to really know what was happening and really be familiar with that whole story and the the story around those words. Ramah is a place, and is the place where Rachel, where Jacob's favorite wife, had died, And she was buried shortly after giving birth to Benjamin, her second son. Rachel wept there, knowing that she would never see her children again. Children that she had waited for and longed for. Which God had given to her. And as well as that, in Jeremiah's time, Ramah was the place where all the sons of God's people were gathered together and began their march into exile into Babylon. People like Daniel were exiled. And Jeremiah at that time figuratively relates Rachel's experience to the experience of all those mothers at that time, the weeping and lamentation, because they thought they would see, not see their sons anymore in the land that God had promised. This was an exile, an attempt to defeat and wipe out God's people. Wipe out their hope of the covenant promises of God. And Matthew uses that same analogy now of Rachel again, with the weeping and tears of these mothers in Bethlehem because of the loss of their sons. And Matthew draws this parallel, not just because of the threat of the covenant promise, but because of the threat to the covenant God himself, this child Jesus that has been born, the child that was born to restore a relationship with God and to bring justice to the world. These were Herod's attempts to wipe out that hope. 
But Matthew, he sees the ultimate fulfillment of these words in Jeremiah and potentially the cause of loss of hope among people. You know, perhaps in our losses, in our sadness, the destruction and evil that we see in the world, we can so easily lose hope, even lose hope in the power of our God and the power of his promises. Because being a Christian doesn't exempt us from suffering. doesn't exempt us from the pains and the hurts in this life. But we don't need to be crushed by them. What Jeremiah and what Matthew wants us to know is that there is hope. Hope that goes beyond the hurt that we experience. Robert read some verses from Jeremiah earlier. Jeremiah 31 is full of words of comfort. It says, The Lord declares, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. He goes on and says, He who scattered Israel will gather him, will keep him as a shepherd as he keeps his flock. Then Jeremiah 31, verse 16, after those verses that Matthew quoted, says, keep your voice from weeping, your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord, and they will return from the land of the enemy. So there is hope for your future, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. Those mothers at Ramah, the mothers of Bethlehem, there was hope declared even in the midst of their despair. God will bring his people back. God will keep his covenant promises. Jeremiah goes on in chapter 33 and he says these other great words. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days, at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David or for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Matthew is pointing out here, even in the midst of darkness in the world, when the time is right, God will raise up one who will execute justice and righteousness one that will restore his people and bring them to the promised land, dwelling with them for eternity. And that one, of course, is Jesus. Yes, Jesus had to flee to Egypt, but just like the exiles, he will return when the time is right. He will execute justice and righteousness. He will fulfill that promise made in the Garden of Eden where he said he will crush the head of the servant who's only going to bruise his heel. And we see that promise being worked out in these last verses of Matthew 2, where Joseph, at the right time, he's led by God to return from Egypt. And he's led to settle in Nazareth in Galilee. And this is the place where Jesus shall be called the Nazarene, which we see in verse 23. Now again, interestingly, In Isaiah, another prophecy, we read, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. So we have Jeremiah speaking of a branch of righteousness. We have Isaiah speaking of a branch coming from the root of Jesse. And Matthew uses a play of words because 
Nazareth, when you say it in Hebrew, sounds very similar uh, to, to, uh, to branch. So he's pointing to Jesus. Several of the Old Testament prophets and Isaiah also tell us the Messiah will be despised. And in Jesus' time, the little town of Nazareth, and anyone coming from Nazareth would be more despised and belittled. When Nathaniel was introduced to Jesus by Philip, he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And others hearing Jesus speak, they proclaimed, he is the Christ. Yet many rejected that, saying, how can he be the Christ coming from Galilee? See, all these prophecies, along with the prophecy of the Messiah coming from Bethlehem, were fulfilled in Jesus. Even the Apostle Paul reminds us that in Corinthians, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. God has kept his promise. Jesus was kept safe. So as his mission was, could be fulfilled, he was not killed in Bethlehem as a baby, but 30 years later, he was killed by the most cruel death, death on the cross. So as that last enemy, death itself, which entered into the world because of sin, shall be no more. And the victory is in the resurrection of Jesus for all those who believe in him and those who do not reject him, despise him, like those that said about Nazareth. Now this passage may seem bleak today, but it points us to the hope we have in the fulfillment of God's promises, the victory of the ultimate darkness of sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So even these mothers in Bethlehem, as, as they look and face death, they can have hope that there is victory through the life and death of Jesus. But sadly, many people are just like Herod and Herod's whole dynasty that follows him. Because even though present, they are presented with the truth of the gospel, and the truth and the promises of God's words, they continue to reject the light of, of the world. Herod had been with the wise men who pointed him to Jesus. They could have taken him to meet Jesus, but instead Herod rejected Jesus and tried to destroy him. When he died, his sons reigned. Archelaus followed in his footsteps. He rejected the teaching of Jesus and he was equally as brutal as his father. Herod Antipas, he reigned in Judah. He heard the message of Jesus from John the Baptist, proclaiming, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Yet he rejected that message and he had John beheaded. And we read in Luke that he also wanted to kill Jesus. He met Jesus finally. At that, uh, as part of the trials, he was sent to Herod. He questioned Jesus, but he had no real interest in him and his kingship and the fact that he was the son of God. Again, once more, we've seen another prophecy from Isaiah fulfilled where like a lamb that has led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth, for Jesus didn't answer Herod at that time. This trend continues throughout the generations of Herod's family. 
right through to the early church. Herod Agrippa executed James, the brother of John. He arrested Peter. His son, Agrippa II, made fun of Paul, ridiculed him about the truth of Jesus, saying, in a short time, are you going to persuade me to be a Christian? We see that in, in Acts 26. Now, there's a continuing history, even to this day, between the seed of the serpent seeking to destroy Jesus and his church and the seed of the woman. We see it on our news. It is the things, at times, that maybe sucks the joy out of us that we think the darkness is winning. But our prophecies and what we see in the Bible show us that Jesus has the victory. You know, this Christmas, you may well feel hurt and the pain, both physically and spiritually, and the suffering inflicted because of this hatred of the seed of of the woman. But as Jeremiah and Matthew remind us, weep no more. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. The hope is found in Jesus. We should open our hearts and receive him today. Receive Jesus today. Be like Joseph. Start living your life in God's hope. Follow his direction. And that hope will see you through even the toughest of times that we face until that day when we are secure with him. It's wonderful news, isn't it? We see the despair and the darkness in the world, but we see the light. The light overcomes the darkness. That's Christmas. That's the joy of Christmas that we have. Let's turn to him in prayer. Lord God, we again thank you for these encouraging words. For Lord, we know when we look at our world around us that darkness at times, Lord, seems to creep in. And Lord, people want to reject you and people want to destroy your name. Yet Lord, we know that we have that hope in you. The lightness overcomes the darkness. Lord, our hope is a hope secure in you. We pray, Lord, that we know the reality of that this Christmas. We pray that even through difficult times and times when we are perhaps under uh, stress and despair, that we can turn to you, that we know that you are there with us, that your promises are true, and Lord, that you bring us and bring your people back into fellowship with you. We just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, that last prayer is, O come, all ye faithful. A well-known carol at this time of year. I wonder how many times uh, you've sung it already. I never get tired uh, of listening to those lovely words. Well, as we come to the end of our podcast this evening, uh, let's just take some time uh, to pray for one another as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who longs to hear our words, that you know what is going on in our lives, that you long for us to come to you in prayer, to speak with you and to recognise, Lord, uh, that you care for us and you care for what is in our hearts. And so, Lord, we bring before you our needs and the needs of others this evening. Lord, we lift up before you those who are finding life difficult at this time. We pray for those, Lord, who are feeling weary and frustrated, anxious, Lord, about what these next days and weeks will bring. And Lord, we pray for your peace, the peace that is in Jesus to rule their hearts, that they may know that great joy of him working in their lives that they may know the everlasting hope that is found in you. Lord, that we may know that patience that you can give us in life to guide and to direct us in all that we may do. We thank you, God, that you are God who is continually looking to direct and guide us, uh, to encourage us and to build our faith in you to know of the good things that we have in your name. Lord, we bring before you those this evening who are dealing with ill health. Lord, we pray that they may know of your great awareness to them. Lord, that they may know of what it means to rest in you. And Lord, that they may know of your healing hand upon them. Lord, we lift up before you those who this first this Christmas is a first without a loved one, that they mourn the loss of. We ask, Lord, that they may know of your rich presence with them. Lord, your comfort, Lord, and all that they may do. That they may know of you continually speaking to them, directing and guiding them in all that they may do. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who never leaves us or forsakes us, a God who will continue to walk with us through these days. Lord, we lift up before you our leaders. We pray for wisdom, Lord, and the decisions that they make. We, Lord, we pray for many, Lord, who uh, will be affected in these coming weeks by uh, different things that will happen throughout our community. Lord, we ask that you may continue to speak to others. That that great richness, Lord, of your spirit will direct and guide lives. And Lord, we pray for the time that we have together. We pray that we may value it more, that we may have that great awareness as we meet with loved ones, that we may take richness in this time and enjoy it. And Lord, as we meet with others in fellowship of your name. Lord, that we may have that great sense of coming together, uh, praising your name, and the joy it is to come together in you.
Help us know this in all that we may do. And we ask this now in Jesus' loving name. Amen. Well, thank you all for listening this evening and may you know the richness of God with you throughout this time. We close just with the words of the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.